Welcome to Mindfully Well, your place to get the tools and tips you need to connect to a deeper sense of wellness, naturally and simply. This podcast is for change-seeking women who are curiously devoted to their health and ultimately having a positive impact on the world around them. I'll be diving into everything that can help us live mindfully well, one episode at a time. I'm your host, Haley. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 15. I am so excited to be here with you today because I am covering a topic that I'm really passionate about, and it seems a little odd for a lot of people. So I hope that um, today's topic can help you feel a little less intimidated by what I'm going to talk about and inspire you to do some of the stuff. So I guess I should tell you what it is. Um, today I'm going to talk to you about knowing when to unplug and retreat inward mostly, but maybe retreat outward in a sense of wherever you are. Um, so basically the idea is unplugging from all of the, the needs and to-dos and tasks of your life and retreating, finding stillness, finding quiet, finding silence, and getting back to the basics of you as a relaxed, calm human being. So, basically, taking a day for yourself without a phone, going into the woods for a long weekend, or taking a vow of silence to reconnect with yourself and step away from all of the craziness of life. So with all of that, I believe going off the grid, like having off-grid time, is necessary and should not be ignored, and it should be done proactively, not reactively. So what do I mean by that exactly? Well, in this episode, I'm going to give you some extreme, like kind of off-the-wall examples and some simple examples of how you can start unplugging, going off the grid, and really start to reconnect with yourself which can also be translated to chilling the F out and giving your nervous system a break. So (laughs) let's first talk about the reality of the world that we live in, which will help us understand exactly why unplugging and going off-grid is so important. So close your eyes if you're not driving and imagine your childhood. Like Go back to how things used to be before all of the technology that surrounds you. People were not glued to their phones constantly. Like, I remember when my parents got a cell phone. Like, an actual, I think it was like a Nokia, had a blue backlit, I don't know, like, the old school phones, right? Like, I remember when they got one, and it was so crazy and so cool. Um, Yeah, now everyone has a cell phone, and it's not shared within a household, which is funny. But... You couldn't access the internet from the palm of your hand like you can now. We had one computer in my house with dial-up internet, which meant that basically if my sister or brother wanted to like take over the phone or the internet, all they had to do was unplug the, the phone cord. I don't even know what those are called anymore. There was like an actual cord that went from your house phone into the wall, like the phone jack, and it would completely kick you off <laughs> if you unplugged it. So it was like savage times in my house. If one person was using the line, 
we would just unplug each other and it would cause some disagreements, but that's what we did. We didn't all have our own access to stuff. So if you have this, if you have like a similar story, then you probably feel me when it's funny to look at how things are now and to catch ourselves like on our phones and think, oh, like I am actually glued to this thing. This thing like never leaves my hand. It's kind of scary. Um, but even before that, right? Like let's think back to our parents and our grandparents' lives. This means before Instagram, yes, oh my god, um, before like Bluetooth and AirPods and being able to sync your phone up with your car while you're driving and all of this cool stuff that we can do now. This is definitely before the internet and Netflix. Like, I think this wasn't in my lifetime, but I think there used to be only like three TV channels that you could watch at certain times of the day or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's how it used to be. And now we have subscriptions to like Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus and all of the other things you can subscribe to and internet that fuels it all that like you don't even really have to think about. Your router just works. Well, you pay for it and it works and then you can do all sorts of things all the time. Like right now I'm, well, I'm not obviously using the internet to record this because I'm not on the internet, but my computer is connected to the internet right now, which is completely wild. So, like, we're always connected. Duh. But let's go further back, right? So, like, before the internet, before TV, before radio, there was the light bulb. So, before the light bulb, this means, yes, people lived without electricity and without lights in their house. So like candles and oil lamps and all of that. And the light bulb was patented like less than 150 years ago. So within the past 141 years or something, whatever it was, so much has changed. And what we find is there's been a major shift in the rhythm, rhythms and habits of human beings. Like, as technology has advanced faster and faster in such a short time, we have not gracefully adapted with it. And, like, how could we? It's just impossible. It's moved so fast. So, sure, it might seem like we've adapted or whatever. We're, like, these superhumans with all of this access to technology. But the truth is, more people than ever are sleep-deprived, which leads to a whole slew of health problems, physically and mentally, and I actually found the stats online that, online, as I was using the internet to research my podcast episode, all tech-driven, which is really cool, right? But on average, Americans spend 24 hours per week online. That is one day per week that we are online, actively doing whatever the hell we're doing. Um, and that makes sense. Like, I... I was just telling Chandler the stat, and we were like, oh god, ours is probably more, because we both work digitally, we run businesses online, like, our entire livelihoods depend on the internet, and it's just wild to me to think that one day of all of our weeks are going toward the internet, whether it's fruitful or not, you might just be watching cat videos, I don't know, cats are cute, but <laughs> we're working over here, but it's still insane to think that one day of my week total 24 hours is going toward digital habits and 
work. So, which I guess this podcast is included in that. So I'm sacrificing some of my time to do this, which I understand. But yeah, not not everyone's making podcasts and doing their work online. So if you take that average, that means that a lot of other people are on even more than 24 hours of a week. And some people aren't on at all. Like, kudos to the humans who have found a way to exist in the world without using the internet. I know they're out there. Like, they totally are. And I think that's really cool. So, another stat that I found really interesting was from the EPA. So, according to the EPA, the average American spends 93% of their life indoors. 87% of their life is actually indoors, and the other 6% is in their cars. So that... (laughs) I can't. This is so bad. That's only 7% of our entire lives spent outdoors, which they say equates to, like, half of a day per week outdoors. So, I'm not saying we should all, like, abandon ship and move into the woods and throw all of our iPhones in the river or whatever, but I am saying that all of our access to this technology and this information and the ease of our access is having an impact on our health. And there are better ways to utilize technology and electricity that doesn't totally zap the life out of us. So before electricity and Wi-Fi and all of this fun stuff, humans used to live by the sun and the moon. And I imagine you've heard this before. I imagine you're not surprised by like this is common knowledge so they had candles and oil lamps and those resources weren't infinitely available you couldn't just burn your favorite candle 24 7 and expect it to last that long like you knew it would run out and you knew you could only use your resources for certain tasks or things that you wanted to be doing so yeah like have you ever (laughs) tried to do something by candlelight it's not really that easy. Um, it can be kind of frustrating. So it was it was just different back then. And thankfully, we do have access to electricity and lights and technology and everything that we have. But I have a feeling that it's kind of taken over a lot. And it's probably helpful to get back to the basics a little bit. So Unlike us, where we can like stay up all night and not notice, or we can notice over the course of time, but we can keep our lights on really late at night and keep being productive and keep getting stuff done and overworking, overworking. People used to wake up just before sunrise and do all the things they needed to do and then wind down with the sunset. And living in Seattle now, like trying to imagine that routine here is insane. Like, Until recently, the sun was setting at like 4.20 or 4.30. So that would mean that I'd be waking up at like 7 or something, working until 4, and then my day would be done. And that seems so unimaginable, but like that's how it used to be. Humans used to be in sync with their circadian rhythms and the sun and the moon. And now we just keep our lights on all the time and overwork, overwork, overwork until like we're completely drained and exhausted and stressed and our relationships are strained and ourselves are depleted. And it's really sad. So how can we rebalance the scales of like old school ways and the perks of the new school ways of now, basically is what I'm trying to say. 
Um, I believe it's proactively prioritizing our off-the-grid time and doing it often. So how can we do this, right? Like, that's the ultimate question. I could talk all day about when the light bulb was invented and and how sad it is that we don't get outside as much as we used to or sleep as much as we used to. Um, yeah, I could tell you that stuff all day. But instead, I would like to offer you some solutions, some ideas, some inspiration for unplugging, for going off the grid, for reconnecting with yourself, and ultimately finding a little more balance in your life because I think that's why we're all here it's likely while you're why you're listening to this podcast is because something feels out of whack in your life and you're looking for some simple ways to make it a little bit easier I know I am um, I'm constantly experimenting and testing and trying new things which is how I get to share this stuff with you all but yeah, what can you do right now in the foreseeable future to, to experience this balance and this ease? I'm going to start off with, <laughs> I laugh because it's really funny, um, the most extreme example that I have for you. And it's only extreme because it's not very common, but it's actually very simple. And that's literally going off the grid. Like the grid meaning outlets and Wi-Fi and access to the internet and GPS and all of the actual electrical grid, like going away from that. And it sounds kind of extreme. I get funny looks when I tell people I go off the grid, but honestly, it's really nice. We do this often. We learn the hard way to prioritize going off the grid um, and make it something that we don't do reactively because Chandler and I both work on the internet all the time and we we both are very plugged in for our work. So we know the importance of counteracting that with something very simple and unplugged. Um, so you can do this in many, many different ways, right? Like you could just walk out of your house and like do it as basic as you want, like go primitive camping or whatever. Um, I've primitive camped many times, but that's not how we do it necessarily. Um, what we have found that works for us is to get a small off-grid cabin and stay in that for a few days. And what that looks like for us is basically finding a little place in the woods away from everything that likely has no internet service or like no, no reach coverage, whatever, in the place that we're going to. Um, I look for access to natural water and no running water, no electricity at all, um, which means there's typically not a fridge or lights and whatnot. So we pack according to where we're staying, but we've found a few places close to where we live and have lived that work really well for us. So back when we lived in Louisville, we found a little off-grid cabin in Indiana. It was like two hours away. So we had to plan it and book it, and it was listed on Airbnb, so that was really easy. But we it wasn't close enough, right? Like, we had to, like, make the effort to get out there and really unplug and commit to being there, which 
was wonderful. It was called Foxhaven. Um, I don't know if it's available to rent anymore or not now, but it's basically a little cabin in the woods. You have to walk almost a mile to get to it, and it's on someone's property. Um, and it has a wood-burning stove, which is so wonderful, oil lamps, composting toilet, no running water, so they provide you with like potable water in a big jug, and you can like bring your own as well, but it was never an issue for us because um, there's a creek nearby. Uh, there's a creek like right down the hill, and that was those are the amenities. <laughs> it's a cabin in the woods with nothing but a bed and a wood burning stove and like a little water basin. And yeah, that that was our spot for a couple of years. We we went there every few months and I had some really beautiful insights and ahas in that space and I'm really grateful that we found it and we found a way to unplug and reconnect that works for us. So that's kind of going off the grid is finding a space that really works for you and allowing yourself just to exist wherever you are. Um, it probably sounds really vague, but one thing that we do when we go off the grid is like we turn our phones off and granted I'll turn mine on to like take a picture or so if I don't have my actual camera with me, which I usually do have my actual camera, but um, we keep our phones off. They stay on airplane mode, like no one can contact us and we let people know we're going off grid and we'll be back in a few days and don't check on us because we're not going to reply. So it works for us. Um, but an alternate version of this, so if there's not an Airbnb or a little cabin nearby that you can go to if you're afraid of tent camping or don't want to, or like you can stick to your preferences. You don't have to do something that makes you uncomfortable that, or that you don't enjoy in order to go off the grid. Um, but there are a ton of really cool spaces that you can stay in. And I've, I'll include all of my tips in a blog post with this episode to help you understand how I find Airbnbs and how I find places that are off-grid and still kind of sheltered or whatever. So like in the winter, it's hard to just go camp in the snow. So it's nice to have like a little cabin with a wood-burning stove instead. Um, but yeah, as an alternate version of going off-grid, you could do this in your house. It'd be a little more challenging because you wouldn't be completely unplugged, like you'd still have access to stuff and you might be a little more tempted, but you could choose one day, like a Saturday, and say you're not using any Wi-Fi, any electricity, um, you could plan your food accordingly so that you don't have to like use your fridge and stuff, I don't know, it'd be a little harder to do it in your house, but you can do this anywhere, as long as you make your own rules and constraints and like stick to them. Um, yeah, you just make it however you want, but I do, <laughs> I encourage you to check out going off the grid and into the woods to really experience a reconnection with nature and not just an unplugging from technology. And some other simple ways that you can implement less tech, like more unplugging into your days which I shared in a previous episode, I think it was the last episode, is you can get like a little timer for your wall outlet that your router plugs into and make sure it like makes everything kick off at 10 o'clock or whatever. Um, so you can like force yourself off of your phone and your tech and your computer and stuff with simple timers and like do not disturb modes and whatnot on your devices. So you can look into those as well, but 
those are kind of like daily maintenance things to <laughs> keep yourself in check. But really going off grid or doing something a little more extreme than just your daily habits are kind of what we're going for here. So another thing that you could do would be to plan a do nothing day. And this is a very open-ended idea. It's just kind of a, a fun way to think about your days. Like if you're the type of person who schedules every single thing you're going to do every single day, this might be a really good place for you to start. To pick one day and literally do nothing. Like you're not allowed to play on your phone, you're not allowed to make appointments and phone calls. Whatever you want your rules to be, maybe it's just you're only allowed to read all day and go for walks or something. Um, but do-nothing days are really fun to implement into busy weeks. So again, kind of like a maintenance thing that you should think about often and not something you have to plan ahead for as much, but have do-nothing days as much as possible, as much as your schedule in life allows. Um, having days where there's nothing planned and you just go with the flow is such a relief from regular life. Yeah. Um, another thing that you can do anywhere, anytime, is to take a vow of silence. And I don't mean this from a religious perspective or any type of way besides not talking. <laughs> That's it. It's just a thing to do, to try, to experiment with. So the first time I did a vow of silence, I was in my yoga teacher training and it was the end of the night and our facilitator said, okay, great. Now we're all going to take a vow of silence. Text anyone you need to text right now and let them know you're not allowed to talk. Like you're not, we're not talking at all until tomorrow afternoon or whatever the parameters were. And I texted my roommate, let her know <laughs> that I would be coming home and not talking. And you basically, you're just, you're silent. You don't sing or talk to yourself or talk out loud or talk to other people or text or get online. Like zero communication is basically the way I've done it. And you could probably do this many, many ways. You could do this in the woods. Um, that'd be wonderful. <laughs> or at a retreat center or whatever you want to do it. Um, but the main, the main pieces of a vow of silence is set your time frame, set your constraints, tell people you're doing it, and then do it. And like plan your life around that for however long you want to do it, 24 hours or 12 hours. Um, it's really up to you. It's really interesting to notice your habits when you're in an experiment or a thing like this. Like, I remember the second time I did it, I came, <laughs> I came home and I had to feed my sugar glider. She's my little, my pet. She's a marsupial. And I talked to her all the time. Like, I talked to my plants. I talked to my pet. I had a crab at the time, too, so I guess I talked to my pets. Um, I talk out loud to my surroundings and I, I think things. I have gratitude and I am very communicative, so... <laughs> Through taking vows of silence, I got some insight around, like, why I talk and when and how and, like, what is my reasoning behind it versus just filling space. But so I noticed this because I was feeding my sugar glider and I, t I was like, good night, Penny. And I talked out loud and I was like, oh, crap. Huh. I, 
I ruined it and I didn't ruin it. I just went back to not talking. But it was just a really funny moment where like the words habitually came out of my mouth and I caught myself. So vows of silence are super cool. You can do them a lot of different ways and a lot of different lengths of time and places and all of that. But um, if you're not ready to go into the woods just yet and you still want to kind of reconnect and just get quiet, literally, a vow of silence is a really cool way to go about it. So what happens when you do this? Like, why am I so jazzed about going off grid, go off grid, go off grid, do it, go into the woods? Like, I'm... I think everyone should, and you sh I, I don't believe in the word should very strongly, but um, I think going off-grid is really, really essential to creative process and human processes and just existing in this world that we live in. Um, so what? why? What happens when I do this? For me, it allows me to reconnect with nature more and appreciate nature more. Um, it allows me to like crave dirt and grass and fresh air and bird noises and silence. Like I crave this stuff whenever I'm not in it and it, it just helps me love life more. Like all of life, all of the life around me. Um, it allows me to go slower so I'm really fast-paced I'm really productive. I'm really on top of things. I like to get things done. Like I, I'm a to-do lister. I'm a checker offer. And it, it, it's just a part of who I am. I really like doing and accomplishing. I'm very driven. So the contrast of that is do nothing days and slowness and stillness and silence and solitude. And that helps kind of, it helps me recalibrate and it helps me kind of settle into, I can be really, really productive and really driven and ambitious and get stuff done. And I can do nothing and still be worthy and valuable and myself. Like my accomplishments don't make me. And that's kind of what it's come down to is I could sit in the woods forever and I could still be completely content with who I am as a person. So, it helps me slow down, basically. Um, like I, I think I said, it helps me like notice the world around me more. So even when I'm not off-grid, when I'm walking through my neighborhood, I'm constantly just stopping and checking out the flowers and the blooms and the bugs and the grass and everything growing and I notice, like I notice a lot more around me since I've been going off-grid for three years now. I guess it's been three years consistently. I've actively, proactively decided to make this a part of my life and to choose to slow down and choose to unplug. So it's definitely like a conscious, intentional choice, this slowing down and this unplugging. And it's been one of the best things I've ever done for myself. Um, it also helps me, <laughs> helps me remember that my work does not own me, my work does not validate me, and I, I'm not glued to my phone. I'm not, it's not a part of me. It's a tool that I can use to do really cool stuff, to connect with people all around the world, to make money, to communicate with people who are far away or whatever. Like, it's a tool. 
it's not essential and it's not something that I can't live without. So it's really helped me have a better relationship with technology and my job and my existence as a 20-something year old person living in 2020. Like, I love the internet. I love social media. I love making a podcast. Um, but I don't want to be all consumed by it. So, um, some other things I have found, like, eerie peace in the silence. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but one time when we were at the little off-grid cabin that we would go to in Indiana, it was, it might have been a full moon, I don't know, it was just a really, really still night. And it was a winter night. We walked outside and just stood for a second on the porch. And everything was like, like the world was completely silent. And it's really, it's hard to explain silence. But there was no buzzing, no humming, no bird sounds. Like I didn't even hear us breathing. Like it was just completely silent. And it was a little unsettling. Like I felt like oh god, like, there's there's nothing. This is the sound of nothing. And it was really cool. And, you know, once you get in your head and you start realizing what you're realizing and not hearing, um, you get a little wrapped up in, like, the, oh, shit, this is creepy. <laughs> but I experienced actual silence, I think, for the first time in my life. And it was really, really profound. And that's all I can say about it, because... It's hard to explain, but there was nothing, and it was everything. Um, I've also found... I have found more gratitude for food and water and electricity. Like, going off-grid helps me be very, very grateful for the access that I have to electricity and Wi-Fi and all of the modern-day appliances in my house. Um, really, really grateful for those things. I don't take them for granted. Like, stoking a fire every night is way different than turning on the oven. The complete opposite. So, it just, it's helped me really appreciate what I do have. And also appreciate the elements that can provide for us. Water, fire, air. It's really, really cool. Um, yeah, and oh, the last thing that was really interesting for the first time was we experienced boredom. For, for the first time maybe ever, I don't know, like, you know when you're a kid and you're like, oh, I'm so bored, I'm so bored, this is horrible, and you're not actually bored, like, I realize now that boredom is way different than what we, like, make it out to be, this, like, dramatic, there's nothing to do type of thing. <laughs> I'm doing a little theatrical, like, movement right now because it just feels so dreadful to be bored but when we were off grid one time we were spending several days in a row three or four days and i think by the third day it was oh god it was summertime or late summer so the days were really 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 long like way long and we woke up with the sun moved about read wrote walked sat Eight, like we did all of the basic things and at some point I don't know what time it was but we looked at each other and we were like I'm bored like this is like this is actual boredom I've done all of the things that I want to do and need to do 
and the sun's still out, and what what are we supposed to do? <laughs> like, we've played all of our board games, and, like, finally reaching a point of boredom was really, really cool. And it wasn't a bad boredom. It was just kind of shocking. It was just kind of like, oh, this is what boredom is like. Not all of the other things I thought throughout my life. Like, this is actual boredom. And it was really cool. Like, being able to actually experience that and, like, come to that conclusion. Whoa, so cool. Like, not a lot of people get to do that. Like, have the luxury of finding actual boredom. So, like, I get, I get, like, the privilege in that and that not a lot of people get to be able to do that. So, it was really cool for me to experience it. Yeah, so, overall, obviously, <laughs> I just have a greater appreciation for life and myself and my sanity in my, like, creative flow. Like, going off grid allows me to really connect to this deeper creative self within me, and I believe we're all creatives, so I'm speaking to everyone when I am saying this, that I can, I get the space and the time and the solitude to dig deep inside of myself and, like, have something come up, something meaningful, fruitful, beneficial, or insightful, and that, to me, is the creative process. So, it's really, it's really cool. That's all. It's just really cool. It's not just going to sit in the woods and not shower for three days, which sometimes happens when you don't have a creek nearby or whatever, but like, it's really, really cool. Also, composting toilets are so cool and they're not gross. Like, they're not weird. They're not gross. I am a major fan of composting toilets, which we can get into like a sustainability and like back to the basics type of episode that's not really in this episode but if you plan to go off the grid you likely will have like an outhouse with a composting toilet so be prepared for that um it's not as bad as it sounds it's not bad at all actually um but I remember the first time I did it I was kind of like uh what does this mean exactly like what exactly is this um, it's just a toilet <laughs> that you don't flush. That's all. Um, yeah, so there's a few weird logistical things to get used to when you start going off the grid and start realizing, like, basic necessities and stuff. So I'll include a lot of stuff in a blog post with this podcast, but ultimately it comes down to reconnecting to the cyclic nature of a day so sunrise, sunfall, etc. Um, not relying so much on electricity and technology to fuel our lives, but being able to be fueled by the natural world and then use these tools to enhance it. Um, yeah, so like I said, remember to do this stuff. If you're interested, if this sounds really cool or if this sounds uncomfortable and you feel like you should still try it, that's probably a good sign. Um, grab your planner, like grab your planner, or your calendar or whatever it is and pick a date or dates, honestly, if you're going away or going into the woods or however you want to call it. Um, I would say do a few days. So two to three nights is good starting out. Three nights, honestly, is a good place to start. 
once you start feeling how long that is <laughs> and experiencing boredom, boredom and all of that, um, two nights is really nice. But two to three nights is a really good place to start. One night isn't long enough, I don't think, because you don't get to really get into a groove of being unplugged. So two to three nights is good. Um, I'll share some tips on how I find places on Airbnb and online just so you can like understand the search parameters I use in order to like find a place like this. There's a lot of like under the advanced filters you can filter by like earth house and tree house and like some like not an actual house and they have those parameters on there where you can like easily find places near you that are a little more like off-grid than an actual house. So find the place where you want to do this, plan it, pencil it in, and yeah, experiment with like the frequency in which you unplug and you off the grid and like your small maintenance stuff, like turning your phone off at 10 p.m. versus going off grid for three days and having no cell service. Like you can experiment with all of this at different times, not different frequencies. So there are a lot of different options and there's no wrong way and you can change your mind every single time. Like maybe you go off grid once and it's like not for you. Cool. That's fine. Like you can find different, maybe you can just do like a long one day hike without being on your phone the whole time. Like you can go really small and take baby steps and then work up to whatever feels right for you. But um, yeah, it's important to also consider and evaluate your environment, which this goes for your daily environment versus like where you're looking to unplug. So that includes um, the people you're around the most and the people who you would enjoy unplugging with. So it's nice to do things alone, yes, and it's nice to do things alone in company, <laughs> honestly. Um, if you set up the container in a way that allows for both people to fully experience their unpluggedness, then it can be really cool to share that with someone. But it, it depends on who you have in your life and who, who might be open to something like this as well. So people are important. Um, your space and the space in which you are working on this stuff in, I think is the right way to say that, is also important. So when you're looking at Airbnbs and places to camp and all of that, you definitely want to find an environment that works for you and feels safe and nurturing. And also in your house, you want to create an environment that does the same, right? It feels safe, it feels nourishing, and it feels really, really good. And you can kind of be yourself in your home. I think that's really important. And I find that a lot of people craft their homes based on what they think other people expect of their lives. And that's a really sad way to go about it, in my opinion. Um, like if you come to our house... Our house is very unconventional, we'll just say that. We don't have a kitchen table, we don't have a couch, we don't have a tea, like, we don't have a lot of stuff that normal people have in their living rooms. Like, we have a low sitting table, and we have a ton of open space. So we do a lot of movement stuff, we floor sit, we lay on the floor, <laughs> we eat on the floor, and not in like a weird no furniture type way. Like our house is set up in a way that really brings us joy and our really cool low sitting table I adore. So it works for us. 
but when people walk in, they always say, oh, I expected to see a couch. And it's, it's funny to hear that constantly because my reaction is, why? Because every other house has one? Okay, like, and why? So your environment, you can also start to tweak to really help you thrive and feel nourished and make steps toward feeling like your best self. That's not really off the grid advice, but I went there, whatever. Um, the last thing that you can do to start working on this stuff is look at your surroundings like geographically in your access to nature and green spaces. So you may have a really cool park near you that you don't even know about or you haven't checked out yet and you can like get on Apple Maps or Google Maps or whatever and just look for the green blobs on the map <laughs> and see what you see. Um, I know in Seattle there are a lot of parks that we haven't checked out yet. Like, there are a lot of parks here and we just haven't gotten to them so that's really cool and really exciting that there's even more to be discovered that we just haven't gotten to yet. So yeah, look at maps, find some green spaces, um, and some places that you can like reconnect to trees and birds and naturally running water so like creeks and streams and ponds and lakes um, that can be really grounding and nourishing and comforting um, yeah so like I said I'll include some links to places that we've stayed in how I find Airbnbs some tips and trip tricks for planning how to go off-grid and I will transcribe this episode so you have all of the written um, stuff that I've talked about, a written form of this episode. And yeah, you don't have to do this like I do this. You don't have to unplug any certain way besides unplug. <laughs> like literally get off of your technology and your electronics for a while. Um, it'll be weird at first, it'll be challenging at first, but you can have both. And you can feel good while having both. You can un unplug and be connected whenever you want to. Um, you don't have to be a, a zombie just walking with your phone in your hand. Um, yeah, so make your unplugged time work for you, whatever that means. Just give yourself permission to like find exactly what that is. I am here for you. I am rooting for you, and if you have any questions or thoughts or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, you can message me, you can send me mail, I don't care, like, I love connecting with people, obviously, that's why I'm doing this, and I wish you the best of luck. I think you will really enjoy this journey when you find what works for you, and when you're experimenting, like, Finding out what you don't like is just as exciting as finding out what you do like. So, I'll leave you with that. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I will talk to you next time.